So what I want to do this morning is kind of came out of this weekend. I went into the weekend saying, God, drop a nugget in me that will be for City Gate for this morning. Because <laughs> um, when you run as fast as I've been running lately, there's not a, always a lot of time just to really um, pre-plan. And besides that, Holy Spirit doesn't let me pre-plan a whole lot. Uh, because if I do, then I walk in on Sunday morning and he changes where I'm going anyway and says, that was great preparation for you. Now, here's what I want you to do. So I'm just going with it. Um, so today, the word I have is be alert, be vigilant. What I, in the Mark 13, 37 says, what I say to you, I say to all, be on the alert. It's real easy for us to walk through life and not even really see what's right in front of us. We get so accustomed to our surroundings. We get accustomed to the people around us. We get accustomed to the, the ebb and flow of life. And we're not even aware of what's going on right in front of our faces. And I really am hearing Holy Spirit saying, tell my people, wake up, be alert, be vigilant. Take care to what's going on around you. In fact, I really believe that some of what's going on in our culture right now with the wokeness movement is a counterfeit of what God has called us to in an awakening. See, because we've not been awakened to the things of the spirit, the things of the second heaven spirit realm and the demonic realm have been woke around us. And it's come in with such a force that people are believing the lie because as Randy brought that word forth, we've not coming, been coming forth with the truth. We've been compromising the truth. We've been soft-shoeing the truth. We've been cloaking the truth so that it's palatable. And we've said, well, we can't offend. Can I say this to you? Jesus was offensive. That doesn't mean he acted offensively. But truth offends a lie. Truth offends darkness because truth brings light. And so I believe God is saying to us, you've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. We've got to see what God said and what God is saying and that what he said isn't changing to say something different today. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. It's not changing. He didn't change his mind on sin. He didn't change his mind on the way to salvation. He didn't change his mind and all of a sudden say, all ways lead to heaven. They don't. Inclusion, spiritual inclusion, isn't the way of the Lord. See, so we've allowed the cultural pressures and the God of this age to press us into a conformity with the world around us rather than being light in the midst of darkness. And the word of God cautions us to be careful that the light that, within you, that is in you is dark. Be careful that the light that's on the inside of you, that it is not darkness. What does the enemy do? The enemy comes as an angel of light. He comes and he projects a light that's not light at all. But we receive it at times because we don't know what the word of God says. We don't know what truth is. And therefore we end up allowing a counterfeit to come into us because we've not allowed the word of God to get settled in us. I remember years ago, I, and I'm not going to be able to quote this scripture because it didn't come up to me until just now. But Jesus said, I believe it's in John around 15, that he will bring all things to your remembrance. You remember? 
Well, I said, God, how do you bring all things to your remembrance? He says, by you having it in you to begin with. So if, if you don't get the word of God in you, how can God bring it up to your remembrance? So we've got to find ourselves in a place that we're allowing the word of God to come deep into us, that his word gets written on our heart. Because if the word of God is not written on our heart, another word will be written on our heart. Because something will be written on your heart. Something will be on you that will fashion the way you view life, the way you look at the world, the way you interpret the life around you. It's either going to be by the word of God that is truth, or it will be by the word of the world that is a lie. And the lie is never like here and here. It leads to here, but he always comes in just slightly off. And he will appeal to your human nature to get you to believe what he wants you to believe. What have we heard over the recent years? Well, you have to embrace everything. No, we don't. And see, it, we've also heard this thing of, well, if you love me, you'll accept me the way I am. I can accept you, but I don't have to embrace the way you're living. That doesn't mean I'm not loving you. See, we've got to come into a place that we can love and honor someone without agreeing with the life choices. Because Jesus didn't agree with life choices. He loved people unconditionally, but he didn't agree with their life choices. And the interesting thing is, is that he didn't confront the sinners that were sinning. He confronted the religious that acted like they weren't. He confronted the Pharisees. He confronted those that were putting weights and balances on people that they could not live up to. And then out of the purity of the love of God, that is always just filled with such grace and mercy, sinners wanted to sit with him. Not because he was going to beat them up because of what they were doing, but because they could feel and experience the unconditional love. But see, unconditional love doesn't waffle based on the behaviors of humanity. It's steadfast. It's immovable. It's always abounding in grace. It doesn't shift. When love shifts around and you never know what you're going to get from somebody, it's like, is that love at all? Because it's untrustworthy. And God's love is always trustworthy. So God's calling us into a place of such intimacy with his word and with his spirit that we are transformed to be more like him. That we can love the grossest of sinners without compromising on truth. Without having our light turn into darkness or have a cloak over it. See, the world expects us to stand in righteousness. The world expects us to live holy. The problem is they look at us as the church and they go, but we're hearing as crazier reports out of you guys as we're hearing out of the raunch centers down the road. We're hearing all of the abuses within the church. We're hearing backbiting and we're hearing fighting and we're hearing divisions. The world's hearing that about us, folks. And God's looking at us and saying, would y'all just be, get into me? <laughs> just come here, sit with me a while and let me change you from the inside out. See, I don't think we've got to be, I know we don't have to be legalistic, but we do have to be true. We don't have to compromise with the world, but we do have 
to be steadfast in who we say we are and believe, live the way we say we believe. What confuses people is when we say one thing and we act another. And God's looking for a people who will say, search me and try me. Work on me. Get me so my heart is pure. So your word is written on my heart so that what comes out of me is out of your love and not out of a reflection of the world. And if we'll get there, I believe the world will begin to listen to what we have to say. They're not listening a whole lot right now. Because they don't know what they're going to get. Or they're afraid they're going to get beat up. And see, we've bought this lie that if we're going to reach the world, we've got to be like the world. And that's not the message. The message is you become all things to all people so that you might win a few, but that doesn't mean you become like them. You find your way of presenting the message to them in a way they can hear it. And really, even before you get to that, you walk with somebody long enough so that they love you and know that you love them. And they're going, you can say what you want to to me because I trust you because the integrity of your life, of walking with me, caring for me, being light in the midst of my darkness, I'm willing to hear you. See, we've been trying to put the cart before the horse. Just start walking with people. Jesus went to dinner with sinners. It didn't make him less holy. He wasn't afraid to go into a dark place because he was light. What if we were so convinced that we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that we are so filled with his light, that if we walk into darkness, it's going to shut the darkness up? Why not? Is that not who we're supposed to be in the midst of the world? What if we're so filled with the light and the love of God that when we walk into a dark place, all of a sudden the atmosphere shifts and people start looking around like, what just happened in here? Walk in and be a change agent. See, I don't believe we can really be alert and be vigilant if we haven't been alert to who God is. If we've not been alert to what the Word of God is, if we've not been awakened to who He is and who He created us to be, how can we be alert and awake to watch out here? Because we have a propensity out of our religious background to see everything that's bad. Hello. We're like a honing pigeon. Oh, they did something wrong. And God's like, don't worry about what they did wrong. You be light. Be light in the midst of the darkness. Let me shine light in you, get the darkness out of you, then I'm going to send you into places and you're going to be light in the midst of darkness. Then when you have light in your eyes, you're going to be able to see, be able to release the warnings, be able to speak truth into darkness. But until the light is in you and the word is in you bringing forth light, how can you ever release a warning? But God's calling us to be those that release warnings. But see, we've got to have the foundation right. Because we've had watchmen in the world that are real good at pointing out everybody's sin. Anybody ever been victim of that? If you just do this right. But see, God's looking for us to be so filled with the light and the love of God that when we go... Darkness dissipates. Amen. And when the light is in you and light looks, you're going to see things. And it's not out of judgmentalism that you begin to release words of warning. It's out of a broken heart. 
It's out of a heart that, that looks and says, if this person or this people group or this nation doesn't turn, destruction is near. And Jesus desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge, right? This is the heart of the Father. This is the heart of God. And so religion has you go, well, you're going to die in your sin if you don't turn. And God's saying, feel my heart. I don't, I don't want to see anybody die in their sin. I don't want to see anybody go into condemnation. I don't want to see destruction. God, Jesus, when he was looking over Jerusalem, it says he wept. Why? Because the day of visitation had come and they did not perceive him. I don't want our generation... Our, this time frame that we're living in, I don't want the Spirit of God to be moving on the earth as we are hearing that He is doing and us to miss it. In Gaza, over the last several days, 200 Muslim men are seeking Christ because they all had the same dream on the same night. Visitation. I don't want Atlanta to miss a day of visitation. If 200 are being visited in Gaza... What about 200 in Atlanta? What about 200 in some of the churches that have gone woke in Atlanta? Jesus is coming for a bride that is pure and spotless. Not one that's divided and compromised and filled with sin. And he's looking. Who are my people that will align with me and do what I've called you to do? This weekend, the Lord had me um, in Ezekiel. I had a pastor one time because I lived in Ezekiel so much that called me Ezekiela. It was quite funny, actually. And a lot of it is because of the call of a watchman on my life to watch and give warnings. And so I was given a copy of the Passion Translation of Ezekiel that just came out a few months ago and um, went to one of my favorite passages, felt like Holy Spirit led me here, and I started where I did with this message because I know that for me to give this part, we have to have our foundation of light in us. Otherwise, as watch when we can become harsh and destructive rather than life-giving. Ezekiel 33 verses 1 through 3 in the Passion Translation says, Yahweh spoke to me saying, Son of man, give your people this message. If I bring war to your nation, you must select a man and post him as a watchman. When he sees the enemy coming to attack, he must sound his shofar to warn the people. And then down to verse 7. Son of man, I have appointed you as a watchman for the people of Israel. When you hear me speak a warning, give them my warning. See, I believe God is raising up watchmen in this hour. I know that's a major part of my calling, is that of a watchman. To watch and to see what God is doing. To watch and see what is going on in the world and give warnings so that people will not die in the midst of whatever they're trapped in. Anybody else ever been trapped in stuff that if you didn't get out of it would have brought destruction to your life? Come on. 
And so with a heart of compassion, God is saying to us, I need watchmen who will watch over the nation and the nations of the world and release warnings so that people can hear and turn. Because you're not going to turn if you don't hear. You've got to hear from somewhere. And some of our watching so that people will hear is that we watch in prayer and we pray that eyes be opened so that they can hear the message that's clearly right in front of all of us anyway. Because a lot of people that are off and caught in all kinds of debauchery were raised in the church and they have the word of God that they memorized from the time they were a child. So if we pray, we watch and we pray and we see people going on about to step off the edge and we pray, they can be awakened in the night seasons. Holy Spirit can visit just like he did 200 Muslims in Gaza and begin to awaken people to go, you know what? I remember something. My life isn't going so good right now because I'm caught in all of this mess. If we pray, nobody has to even know you're doing it. What if we prayed in such a way that those that are activated as evangelists, we've so cleared the atmosphere that when they step out on the street to evangelize, it's an easy peasy. I mean, it's easy because the atmosphere's cleared around them. We've been sending people out on evangelistic missions without praying ahead of them, and then they go into war. Because the hearts aren't prepared. The atmosphere isn't open. And God's saying, watchman, arise. Be alert. But we also have to watch over our families. You have to watch over, let's start here, watch over your own soul. Make sure you're not getting pulled aside. Make sure you're not being lulled to sleep. That you're not getting so weary in all of the stuff that's going along, that you're not watching over this. Watch over your own heart. Watch over your family. Watch over your business. Watch over your friendships. Watch over those things that concern you. We have to watch because the enemy is lurking. He wants to devour. That is his mission. And what is our assignment? What is our mission? Our mission is to do what Jesus did and destroy the works of the devil. But if you don't understand and don't realize that the devil is at work, how are you going to destroy what he's doing? See, we've got a whole bunch of the church right now that doesn't even believe the devil can touch us. Right? Do you know he doesn't really mess with people that are unbelievers? Because they're already kind of given over to him anyway. He doesn't have to attack them. They're doing his bidding anyway. Who he comes after is the Jesus in you and me. It's not even you. Isaac Peacher said this brilliantly a few weeks ago. It's not you. It's the Jesus in you. Because he is on a mission to destroy his works, but he needs to do it through you. Destroy it in your life first. Destroy the works of devil in your life. If you think you don't need to get delivered, it's probably a good indicator you do. I mean, deliverance is a consistent thing. Because we don't know what we don't know and we don't understand where the devil has an inroad in us operating in ways that we don't recognize until all of a sudden the light bumps up against this darkness and then we go, oh, you can't touch that. Anybody else ever guilty? But see, we've got to learn how to watch and be vigilant. We cannot be lazy in this season. I loved that in. The Ezekiel, it says, if I bring war to your nation. Now, I'm not saying there's war in our nation, but we are in a season of war. Worldwide, we are in a season of war. There is war on every front. We may not have battleships at our gate, although maybe. We may not have tanks going down the street, but folks, we are in a war. 
We're in a cultural war over our children. We're in a cultural war over righteousness. We're in a cultural war over people believing that Genesis 1, that in the beginning God created male and female in his image, he created them. We're in a cultural war. So when there's war in the gates and there's war in the nation, we have to say, watchmen arise. See, the wars that we're facing right now did not start yesterday. They didn't start three years ago. They didn't start 30 years ago. Come on. They didn't start under a Republican. They didn't start under a, under a Democrat. They started under them all. The war... For the soul of America has been raging for decades. Decades. We got so complacent in our prosperity, in our peace, that we lost the way of the Lord. We lost the fear of God. We lost the ability... To know that if God says it, it's not up for debate. If God has said something in his word, it's not up to you to debate it. <laughs> it's not up to me to debate it. We have to believe what God says and line our lives up with it. We cannot base our theology on our experience. We must base our theology on the word of God. Amen. We have been in a culture. This is one of the reasons I loved having our children commissioned into Healing Room Kids last week. See, most of us were raised in a religious culture that said God didn't have to heal anymore. Because we have medicine. Well, praise God for medicine. But it doesn't change the fact that God's a healer. But because people weren't seeing healings, they adapted their theology and said healing doesn't happen anymore. I'm here to say healing happens. Hallelujah. I'm still alive because healing happens. See, we've adapted our theology to match our experience rather than calling our experience to align with the Word of God. Where your experience does not match the Word of God, you need to seek God about what is it that I'm not believing? What is it that I'm blocking the fullness of the grace of God operating in my life. Every time we pray for somebody that's sick and they don't get healed, I'm back to God saying, okay, what am I missing? What am I missing? What, what truth am I not seeing yet? Especially when it's something that you know that it is not timely. Weeks ago, and all of, most of us were praying for a young man that was 15 years old. They still don't know what it was that was wrong with him. And in four days' time, he was gone. The doctors were completely baffled. They don't know what happened. I'm asking, God, what did we miss? What did we miss? What is it? And I'm not doing it in a place of condemnation. I'm like, Deuteronomy says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but those things that are revealed belong to you and your children forever. I want that. Whatever that is, whatever that key of intercession is, whatever that key of faith is, I want it so that the next one that comes along 
will know how to pray so that the miraculous healing of God touching that one can touch thousands of people that don't know and believe that God is real. Because some people are, it's going to take a miracle for them to believe. But why not? Didn't Jesus say that we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover? The blind would see, the deaf would hear, the lame would walk, the dead would be raised. Why not? If then and with somebody else, why not now and with us? We serve the same God. So part of in the Ezekiel passage, the Lord began to speak to me and he said, speak what I say. Resist mental evaluations. Anybody else go through a mental gyrations anytime God says something to you? And it's like, well, did God really say that? Did... And you spend all this time waffling back and forth. He says, trust my voice to align with my word and the knowledge of my word in you to confirm by the witness of my spirit to your spirit. To confirm or deny what you hear. I have worked my word into you and my spirit shall confirm or deny. See, this takes me back to where I was at the beginning. If God's going to bring to your remembrance, you've got to have the word on the inside of you. If the Spirit of God is going to confirm, you have to be moving and living by the Spirit of God. See, if you don't have a relationship with the Word and you don't have a relationship with the Spirit, He can't confirm to you. And then you're prone to error. So I want you to be careful to hear what was said to me by Holy Spirit. You can trust what I say because you have my word in you and you have my spirit in you. And I will confirm in you that what you're hearing is me or not. But I'm just going to be blunt. If you don't have the word in you and you're not living by the spirit, you can't trust what you hear. Because the enemy will come along and try to give you some kind of truth that's not truth at all. So you've got to have the word and the spirit so that what you hear, you'll know that quick. Because you'll recognize the sound. You'll recognize the spirit of it. You'll recognize the love of it. That God's drawing you into a deeper place with himself. And then as I was praying into this, Holy Spirit then said, While security and prosperity appear intact, people rarely see the error of their ways, nor heed the warning signs sent to awaken Therefore, the watchman must sound the alarm in hopes that people will hear, heed, and turn from their wicked and wayward ways. When we're in a place of life is good, everything's going along and it's just wonderful, we rarely hear God saying, pay attention, watch. I know for my own life, the day God got a hold of me was because life wasn't going so good. Health wasn't so good. Surgeries were, I was done. <laughs> I'd had too many in too short an amount of time. And he literally, this is what I heard Holy Spirit say. Are you done? Are you tired of living life your way? Yes, sir. This isn't so fun. I said it nicer today than I did then. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. Things weren't going well. And see, God will allow you to go through seasons when life doesn't go so well so that you get to the end of yourself. And we all have a different place that's the end of ourself. 
Some of us have a long leash and some of us have a short leash. But eventually God will get you there and say, are you done? Are you ready and willing to allow me to turn your life around? So when everything is going well, we tend to go, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. And we're happy, right? And we feel like, you know, life's good. And God's going, But see, eventually the consequences of our choices that are independent from God take their toll. And it's not that God causes all these bad things to come to you. It's that you've walked away from his path. And when you walk away from his path and you get into your own path, all these other things, the devil's going, oh, now I got her. Because the devil knows more about your calling than you do. Come on. And so where is he going to hit you? He's going to hit you at the point of your calling. He's going to do everything he can because he knows that if this one moves from over here, doing their own thing, having their own little party doing, looking religious, doing all this stuff, if they ever move over here, I'm in trouble because they're going to stomp all over me. See, we've got to recognize that individually and as a nation, we've been in a long extended season of security and prosperity. I'm just letting that one sink in for a minute. And see, God wants us to be secure. And he wants us to prosper in all of our ways, even as our soul prospers. But when our security and our prosperity becomes our God, we're in trouble. And y'all forgive all the typos in this word that I did because I was doing it in a hurry. Sound the trumpet. Not what it says up there unless Beverly fixed it for me. Make the alarm clear. Fear not the faces of the people seeking for words of peace, peace, when there is no peace. What does it say? I'm afraid to look. Sound the trump. No, we're sounding the trumpet. Fix it, please, somebody. Lord, help me. No, no, no. Sound the trumpet. Make the alarm clear. Fear not the faces of the people seeking for words of peace, peace when there is no peace. Let those who hear turn and cry out on behalf of the whole and know that I am looking and listening for a remnant who will align with me to say what I say so that I might be justified to spare the land And deliver my people and save those who are yet far from me. Cry out for the deaf to hear and the blind to see. We need to get our hearing cleared so that we can say what God's saying. So that the sound coming out of the ecclesia is a clear sound, not a divided sound. That it's a clear trumpet. See, we've got to move into this place that together we're moving in agreement with heaven and agreement with each other. So that when we speak out, when we decree out through our prayers, our declarations, our decrees, there is a clear sound So that it penetrates through the darkness. And it also then activates the angelic armies to go and do the work that they're waiting to do. Because they do the bidding of the Lord. But he's looking for a voice in the earth. He's looking for a people who will watch and pray. And who will say what he's saying. 
One of the things that came out over the weekend was the prophets have got to come forth sounding a clear sound. And I'm not just talking about name prophets. I'm talking about the prophetic spirit of God in you. Because the spirit of God is in you. It needs to be a clear sound. We need to be watching and listening. We don't need to be so worried about having the platform of a prophet. But to having the heart of a prophet that breaks over the lost and the dying. The heart of a prophet that breaks because there's a people in the earth today not fulfilling the purpose and destiny of God. Not revealing the glory of God in the earth the way he deserves. That we're willing to hear what he's saying and align our lives with what he's saying no matter the cost. God's looking for a people who'll be still and listen. And then when he speaks, get up and move. Go to 1 Peter 5. It's the, not the next slide, but the next one. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 through 9 says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in, at the proper time. Casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren that are in the world. There is great suffering in the world right now. Great suffering. And the enemy would like nothing better than to spread it. Many, many warnings are out about the spread to this nation. And as a watchman, I have to say that. And God's calling us to be alert in the natural, but to also be very alert in the spirit. I've been increasingly burdened by how many people don't see the dangers that are right in front of us. They're real. And I don't say that to, to cause us to be fearful, but to cause us to be alert. To cause us to be sober and vigilant in being alert. To pay attention. Pay attention to your surroundings. I'm just talking in the natural. Pay attention. When I'm traveling, you can guarantee it. I'm watching everything that's around me. I'm watching who gets on the plane. But more than watching in the natural, I'm watching the spirit. And I can just tell you, if God told me not to get on the plane yesterday at 3.36 p.m., I wouldn't have gotten on the plane at 3.36 yesterday. If he would said, no, you don't need to get on this plane, I wouldn't have gotten on that plane. And I trust him to tell me. It's the only way I can personally travel the way I do right now. Is that I have to know that I trust him to tell me if I'm not supposed to go somewhere. Or that I'm not supposed to get on a certain plane or a certain road or in a car with somebody. We have to learn how to watch. Be alert. Be alert. 
1 Thessalonians 5, 3 through 8 says, While they are seeing peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, say, but you, are not in darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Hallelujah. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, but, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. God is calling us in this season to be very alert. Be very aware. Ask him to open your eyes in a new way. Invite Holy Spirit to place upon you an, a fresh anointing of a watchman. It's one of the things the Lord had me release yesterday at the conference was a fresh anointing of a watchman. See, and sometimes we think it's just a few people that are watchmen. No, we're all called to be watchmen. We don't all have the same assignments to watch over, but we're all to be watchmen. You need to watch over your own soul. You need to watch over your family. You need to watch over your business. You need to watch over your neighborhood. You need to watch over the things God has assigned to you. Be sober, be vigilant. God may wake you up in the middle of the night and put a country on your heart. For you to pray, that's being a watchman. He may awaken you first thing in the morning and say, you need to pray over X, Y, or Z. It may be downtown Atlanta. It may be the police department in your community. It may be the school down the street. But you need to be alert. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm willing to be a watchman. I'm answering that call. I want to watch as you want me to watch. Some of us need to be watching over Bernadette as she goes into court fighting for the children. Don't wait for her to send you a notice of what she needs. Holy Spirit can give you. Pray for her right now. We need to be praying over our children, our grandchildren. Watch and pray over them. Watch and pray. Give strict attention to. Be active to watch. I believe as we watch, God's going to let us see things that the enemy's planning and stop them. Dutch shared one, I wish I had the quote, so I'm going to try to relay it as best I can in closing. Because it really, it hit me so hard yesterday. That during World War II, when Nazi Germany was close to coming in and taking England, And most of their forces were, had been in France. They didn't think they could get them back. And the Germans were ready to take England. And if they had taken England, it would have been a defeat for the world. And Reese Howells, many of you have read his book, Reese Howells' Intercessor. He looked at the hundred that were gathered to pray and he said, they're not going to fight harder than we are. That phrase riveted me. And for as either four or five days, when they knew the Germans were coming, they went into nonstop prayer. With that mandate, of they're not going to fight harder than we do.
And it is reported historically that turned the battle. Turned the battle. Intercessors won that battle. If a hundred could turn that battle, turn that war, what would God have us do today to turn back the battle at the gate? Is the enemy or the leftists or the wokeness people, are they fighting harder than we are? Can I just be real blunt with us? They have been. They've had a strategy. They've had a plan. They've been more united than the church ever thought about being. But see, it didn't take all of the church in England at the Bible College of Wales to pray and turn the battle. It took a remnant. It took somebody saying, they're not going to fight harder than we do. And one of the stories that I had forgotten this and Dutch shared it was that they were in the thick of the battle and Reese Howells was so taken with the battle and so pressing into God on what to do that he went to, he left them in charge to pray nonstop around the clock and he went to his room to pray. And for four days they warred. And when he came back out, he said, the battle's been won. Because he knew it in the spirit. But they say that after those days, that he never was the same. Because he had paid a price with his body to war through. Now that's some kind of intercession. That's somebody that's so given as a watchman and so given as a warrior in the spirit on the behalf of not his own life, but on behalf of all of those that would be saved. And it would be easy for us to say we're not at that point yet, but do we have to get to that point to answer the call? That's really what I came away from this weekend, is we could wait until we have a battle at the gate like England was facing with the Nazis, and maybe there would be a remnant that would rise up with enough strength at that point to fight and push it back. Maybe. But we've got all of these things as an example and a testimony. Do we have to wait until that point? I don't think so. I really believe God's giving us an invitation today. And we're a house of watchmen. I know that. But I'm telling you, he's called us into another place. Prayer's going to change. It has to. Opinions in prayer, eh, we're not doing it. I don't care. I know that doesn't sound very nice, but I don't care what you think. I want to hear what is God saying. What scripture has God given you? What word has God given you to stand on? What is it that we're warring for? I'm warring for the soul of a nation. I'm warring for the soul of a people whose purpose and destiny is to magnify God and advance the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. I'm calling today for watchmen. For watchmen to arise and answer the call. And where it starts, quite honestly, is saying, Lord, here I am. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm willing to go with you. Hold on one second. Lord just said... The end of Ezekiel 33. 
He talks about how people run to prophetic words and run to prophetic messages. And we're a prophetic house. We probably bring in as many strong prophetic words and people delivering them as probably anybody in the city. Because it's a part of what our call is. But this passage for us is serious. They keep saying to one another, let's go hear what Yahweh has to say. They flock to you to sit at your feet as my people. They listen to your words, but they will not act on them. Instead, they express genuine devotion to Yahweh, but their hearts are set on cheating others. As far as they are concerned, you are like an entertainer who sings a love song with a beautiful voice to a good musical accompaniment. They hear what you say, but no one will do it. And then it closes... God's saying this to, Jer- to Ezekiel, when all your prophecies come true and they are beginning to be fulfilled now, they will know that there has been a true prophet among them. I don't want us to be a people who hear what God's saying and not do it. Watchmen, I don't want you to in your private, private prayer closet to hear what God's saying and not do it. I know this is a sober message. It's kind of where I am right now because I see where we are. And God's looking for a people who will not just hear, but will pay attention and do. So would you stand? Father, I, I feel the weightiness and the sobriety of your spirit hovering on me, on us. That you're calling us into a place of watching, of being alert, of being vigilant and steadfast in our watching, of having our hearts turned toward you that at the slightest impulse, you can turn us in the direction you want us to go. You can open our eyes to see what you need us to see. You can prompt us on the depths of our being with the word of the Lord, with your scripture to come alive, with faith that will rise up. Father, I pray over all of us that we would come into that new place of watchmen, A new place of watching and praying, of listening and heeding what you're saying. Lord, that we would take what you are saying to the church, to the ecclesia, to this nation. We would take it to heart. And we would press in until faith arises. So that what comes out of our mouth is filled with the full assurance that God has said it. Therefore, I am releasing it in faith, in boldness, and in confidence. Father, I say stir up your people with a greater measure of faith. Let supernatural Holy Spirit birthed faith arise in your people. Father, fill us to overflowing with your spirit. Cause your word to come alive. Father, even scripture that we memorized as a child, bring it to remembrance. And Lord, stir a hunger among your people for your word. Lord, cause us to be those that sit and just meditate on your word. Study your word. Study to show ourselves approved. Workmen that do not need to be ashamed. God, cause your word to be so written on our hearts that we will be transformed by your word. Father, any place our hearts have been hardened and disappointed, where we have allowed layers 
to harden our heart. God, I'm asking even now that you would take out the hearts of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. That you would write your words upon our heart. You would cause us to be alive by your word and your spirit with a passion that is pure and holy that you would loose out of us the power and the authority of your word by your spirit as watchmen, as warriors who will not allow the enemy to overtake us. That we would not be those that will not fight the good fight of faith, but we will arise full of faith, full of joy, and filled with gratitude that you have called us for such a time as this. So Lord, for this community, for this nation, we say let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let the majesty and the splendor of Jesus be revealed. And we ask it in his name and always and only for his glory. Amen. Amen. Love on somebody. Have a great Thanksgiving and we will see you next Sunday.